0: It's not just about making money, because I can assure you, you could make a whole lot more money if you just had a regular job, a nine to five job, but is the satisfaction the same? Is it it rewarding knowing that, you know, you're not just making a small amount of money, but you're also bringing so much happiness.
1: There aren't many businesses in Australia that can say they've been operating for generations, but today we're chatting to the owner of a business that has been bringing joy since 1934. Nikki Lasky, with her family, owns Monarch Cakes in St Kilda's Ackland Street. It's an iconic place for sweet treats. Nikki, welcome to Dirty Linen. Hi, Danny. Thank you for having me on your podcast. It's so great to be talking to you. Monarch is a place that I've been going since I was a kid. I mean, I know there are people that are devoted and go there like probably daily, you can tell us, but it's definitely somewhere that I remember for the kuglof, for the Polish cheesecake and for the buttery biscuits that I've really, you know, it always feels good when you arrive at someone's house with with something so delicious.
0: Yes. Yeah, thank you. Um, I guess because we've never really changed anything, there's that continuity, which I think people have come accustomed to. So it is lovely when you can say, oh, as a child, I had this and you still have it. And my grandmother used to put it on the table when I'd come to visit. And now I can do that with my children. It's, it's a lovely continuity, which we're very proud of. Well,
1: give me the backstory of Monarch. Like, How did your family come to be the custodians of this institution?
0: Uh, yeah, exactly, and we are custodians. We always say that that um, you know we we're very fortunate to be able to take over the business, and you know my my dad had come to Australia. Uh, in the early 60s and he was studying at Melbourne Uni so lived in St Kilda and come in all the time to buy cakes that were reminiscent of his childhood you know having been born in Poland and then growing up in Israel and these cakes were you know identical to the kind of cakes that he had grown up with so it was lovely for him to to have that experience and it was a customer for 30 40 years until One day, the owner approached him and said, you know, do you know anyone who might be interested in taking over the business as we'd like to retire? And, you know, long story short, here we are, 25 and a half years later, going strong in the business that's been there since 1934.
1: Wow. It's a really unusual story. I mean, Nikki, for people who haven't been to Monarch, can you just sort of walk us through the door? Tell us what we see. What does it look like? What does it smell like?
0: Mm -hmm. Yes, exactly. When you walk through the door, the first thing that you'll notice is that it creaks and (laughs) um, it's not intentional. It just happens to be so. And it's a very old door with an antique door handle. So it does make an announcement that someone's walked in the door. And when you do walk inside, the first thing you'll obviously notice is that It's not a slick new cafe that's popping up all over Melbourne. This is just an old, old cake shop filled with smells that you would smell in your own kitchen if you were baking and lots of cabinetry, woodwork, you know, floorboards, old counters and cabinets that look like an antique shop basically. I mean,
1: a lot of people, you know, I guess, try to construct places that have that, you know, that patina of age. I mean, do you get people who who don't realise that it
0: actually just is old that think you've made it look old? Mm, yeah, you do get a lot of people who say, oh, wow, this is so old fashioned. This is so like amazing, you know? And I always say, well, it's not old fashioned, it's just old. There's a difference because it wasn't like an intentional design or, you know, replication. It's just." decades of, you know, layer upon layer of generations that have walked through the door.
1: And what are some of the iconic cakes that you have there?
0: Well, yes, as you mentioned, the Kugelhof, um, which I guess is our most popular uh, cake that we do. It's kind of like the babka, but has our own twist on it, and it's made with a a very stretchy yeast dough, which you often find, you know, with doughnuts and things like that. And it has a melted Swiss chocolate with almond meal, which is scrolled and rolled through the pastry. So it is quite amazing, actually. I mean, you know, I'm very proud of it, and we love it when people eat it, and the responses are incredible. That's uh you know, our iconic cake, but we have many, the Polish cheesecake also being um, one of our special cakes that people come from all over Australia for. Tell me more about that one. So the cheesecake predates our shop and it actually goes back to Poland where the original owners uh, had their uh, cake shop there. And when they migrated to Australia in the early 30s, that was one of the original recipes that they had bought with them uh, we subsequently use a quark, which is a German sour cheese that's made specially for our cheesecake. And it's, I mean, people will, quite, will sort of say it's like a bit like a New York baked cheesecake, but I think it's more unique and very special to a region of Poland that the owners were from.
1: Oh, that's, yeah, amazing to have that link to. Um, a place that so many Australian immigrants came from. And then, yeah, the generations that have followed, it's just, yeah, such a, you know, and you bite into something that's like your grandmother used to make. And I mean, it's just, yeah, so special.
0: Mm. Well, look, I think that's, very much a important aspect of where our business is today and it's not just another cake shop because, you know, every time I go out, wherever I go, to the supermarket, to the butcher, I find a new bakery and they seem to be popping up everywhere and it's lovely and, you know, Melbourne is a food capital and we all love pastries but there's something special about the continuity of having been there for generations and we love the fact that we have a connection from the past to the current times and to the future, knowing that, well, we hope that it'll continue the way it's been going.
1: And, you know, it's so important to have that consistency, as you mentioned, like how, you know, let's talk about the baking, like who does the baking? How do they make sure that it's the same every time?
0: Um, Look, there is a degree of um, variation, which comes with any handmade product and the weather plays a part and, you know, different times of the year, the milk and the cheese are different, uh, thanks to the cows, which, again, our milk is all sourced locally and our eggs, et cetera. Um, but the continuity has been ensured, and this is something that, you know, part of my job is to make sure that the quality remains the same and the continuity is the same. And by such, we've had, you know, only a handful of chefs over many, many decades, and each time one of them, mostly they stay there till they retire We have to make sure that, you know, the new chef has been trained by the old chef and sometimes there's months of handover, um, which means that you can do that without losing the uniqueness of the product. And, you know, I've had to do this recently with a new chef where some of the recipes are not even written down. They're just learnt and then told to the next chef. So you know, a handful of that and a pinch of that and, you know, use your three fingers to measure. You know, it's quite funny when you teach that to a new chef. That is so amazing. Can you
1: tell me a bit more of that? Like who have you just said goodbye to and who's come in?
0: Yeah, so we had a wonderful pastry chef who did his apprenticeship uh, back when he was in his late teens and he retired recently at the age of 55, which was a huge – well the situation obviously that you know we had to find the right person because you know it's all very well to be a pastry chef and to have you know baking experience but to be able to step into the shoes of somebody who has had such a big part in our business for so long the right candidate you know had to be the right person not just professionally but personally as well so we um, found a lovely uh, young man by the name of Kane who has been taught meticulously the recipes and the methods and that secret ingredient that's required in every cake that you bake and that's love and care for your product and he's doing a fabulous job we we adore him I feel like we need to name check the chef who's recently retired uh Peter yeah Peter and he will always remain part of our lives
1: yeah I mean I just would lo- like what was it like for Kane, you know who presumably has been trained in you know contemporary styles with you know electronic scales and all that stuff? like what was it was, what was it like to watch him learning um, in this very I guess hand to hand kind of way?
0: Well, one of the first things I said to him is, I will guarantee you an adventure, and we still laugh about it you know every few days when he says, well, you did promise me an adventure." And yes, true to form, uh, it was a lot of um, experimenting and adjusting, you know, with different things because a lot of the recipes are still in pounds and our scales that we use, you know, we used to use actual weights that you'd stick on the other end of the scale. So, you know, we've had to adapt a lot of the recipes and methods to modern day um, chefs who have not learnt that kind of skill. Um, Ovens that are built in 1940 that... You have to learn to readjust your way of baking too. We don't have one of these slick ovens that you'll find in Baker's Delight where you just key in a couple of numbers and then, hey, presto, out comes your cake. So it's been an adventure, but we are getting there.
1: I just absolutely love it. I mean, tell me what it – you talked about, you know, feeling like you're custodians and that, you know, there are some things you can tweak but that, you know, most of it is very old school. I mean, what is – what's the feeling like to be part of a business like monarch
0: mm it's it's very special it's um it's unique and i i i love being there you know it's it has its challenges you know working with both my 80 plus year old parents and my brother and my two teenage daughters who work you know in their school and uni schedules Um, there are challenges with that because obviously working with your family sometimes is not easy but at the same time it's very rewarding because you know my dad feels very proud to have all his family there and there are some days when we're all there together Um, it's a it's a very special feeling knowing that I'm being I'm able to bring my children into a business that I feel like I've grown up in and they literally were crawling around on the floor when they were babies. So that's really special too.
1: And what about the community connections? I mean, perhaps especially over the last couple of years, Nikki, when, you know, there's been rolling lockdowns and all kinds of challenges, you know, on top of the usual challenges, how sort of connected uh, have you felt to community and, and what has it shown you about what you mean to people?
0: Mm, It's, um, well, yeah, what we mean to people, I guess that's a whole other subject. But um, what the people mean to us is that through all the lockdowns and through all the hard times and not just, you know, the recent lockdowns, but when The tram was, you know, the tram uh, tracks were ripped up and they basically bulldozed the street. We had customers who would still come and sit inside with the jackhammers outside saying, I am coming to have a coffee today and I don't care if I can't hear anything because we want to support you. And during the lockdowns when people weren't allowed to do anything except for go to the supermarket, they would stand outside, you know, spaced apart, drinking their coffee in their takeaway cup and eating a piece of cake balancing it in their hands while they chat to you know some random stranger perhaps that had also come out for their one hour walk it was it was really nice actually I you know find that that was the the silver lining of the last two years seeing how valuable our customers are and how much they love us.
1: Yeah it's really special I definitely you know I've heard lots of stories about people's you know, loan outings for the day and some people wouldn't have anyone to speak to in their household, you know, so it was such an important connection that, that they would make, really a lifeline.
0: 100%. I mean, I can tell you I've got screenshots that I took through my window of groups of people, I mean groups meaning individuals standing around in a big circle who some of them didn't know each other, others knew each other, would come and they would meet, let's say at 1 o'clock or at 2 o'clock, just to be able to have somebody to talk to. And that's that's super important and super special, you know, to know that we've provided that place, that safe place for everyone to just come and know that, oh, if I turn up at 1 o'clock, there'll be six other young girls that I can talk to because I'm at home alone.
1: Yeah, it's actually so poignant and moving, especially thinking about the history of Ackland Street. I mean, my dad's a Holocaust survivor and um you know, went, was uh, high school and uni years around St Kilda and Elwood and, you know, there were some of those old restaurants where you could come for, you know, matzo ball soup and schnitzel and they were those same, um, I guess, meeting places for people who perhaps needed to feel a sense of connection, had been through difficult, great difficulties. Uh, so it's really part of the heritage of the, of the street, isn't it, to be that sort of place.
0: That's why, you know, me continuing and making sure that, does continue for the next generation is vital because, you know, I'm the same. My dad is also a Holocaust survivor and, you know, he, he has sort of always told me how important community is and looking after the people around you and, you know, he's one of the most generous people you'll ever come across. You know, he often, we always laugh that some of his most regular customers are the homeless people that he feeds in the morning and you know, I sometimes say to him, you know, this is the business, you know, we've got to make some money. And he says, well, when you've been homeless and when you've been hungry, we'll have this conversation again, you know, and he likes to feed people. That's what he does.
1: Nikki, Ackland Street has been through its ups and downs. You know, it was a thriving place with, you know, every shop filled. Um, that hasn't been the case, you know, over the past couple of decades that the the street's partly been turned into a plaza that's just for trams and pedestrians. I mean, what's it like being part of a street that's so iconic in such a tourist destination but also has had its own struggles? <laughs>
0: Yeah, it has been it's been a difficult time and you know not just the last two years you know prior to that you know I could already feel that you know a lot of the small businesses had been replaced with chain stores with you know just Jeans and Portman's and sports go and things like that and it was probably because of the fact that the street was so popular that landlords felt it was okay to raise the rents and forced a lot of small businesses out unfortunately that you know, happening in a lot of shopping strips. Um, Then along came the tram upgrade, which really ripped the guts out of the street and I think a lot of people were really upset. A lot of locals, you know, very, very upset about that village feel that kind of got lost, but there's a recovery and I think that things are starting to improve. We've definitely got a lot more tourists around and I've noticed a couple of the shops being filled again by small businesses, which is, you know, very um, inspirational because you kind of think, well, we are doing this for a reason, you know, the the street's going to thrive again and I think that's, you know, really wonderful. So, you know, I don't want to be another casualty, another Scheherazade, you know, that closes and never to be seen again. Mm.
1: Yeah, well, it's great to hear that optimism. I mean, one of the other, well, a couple of the other struggles that a lot of business owners talk about at the moment is staffing and cost of goods how are you going with those two factors?
0: Well cost of goods just seems to keep going up and up and I really feel that unfortunately we're going to see a few businesses close because of that and I don't know where it'll end and I don't know how you know how to absorb these costs because they are constantly increasing and You know, unfortunately, what do you do? You know, if if your supplier tells you that your cheese is going up, if your paper goods supplier tells you that your coffee cups are going up, I mean, how much more can you charge for the items that you already charge? And, you know, absorbing the costs means that potentially you make no money and if you make no money, then you close. And that's really worrying.
1: Well, I guess, you know, some people would say, well, do you really need to use – that local milk or that, that butter. I mean, what about, you know, cutting things in other ways?
0: Mm, No, unfortunately for us, that would never work. I, I could not bake using margarine. People would notice straight away. And, you know, we've thought about different ways of making improvements and some of them have been, you know, maybe deleting lines, which are expensive to produce, which could be uh, a sad side effect of the price rises. Um, the other thing as well, obviously, is the shortage of staff. And, you know, this is a really complicated issue. The shortage of staff has actually raised the rates that people expect when they come through the door. And as much as I don't begrudge anyone a living, and we we always talk about, you know, we, we call our business almost like a kibbutz. It's a profit share. Sometimes the staff are earning more than what we are. So... You know, we're not walking home with bags of money at the end of the day and a lot of small businesses are in similar situations where staff now can be picky and choosy about where they work and they'll they'll rock up and they'll say, oh, well, I'd love this job but I'm not going to work for less than this, this, this per hour. So you can't absorb that as well on top of all the price rises. So what do you do? You have to rise the pro- raise the price of your products. And how far can you go?
1: Yeah, well, I mean – how far can you go like how how nerve-wracking is it for you to raise the price of something
0: well we raised the price of coffee by 50 cents and it was the first time that we'd raised the price of coffee in 15 years and there was no backlash but there were customers that were coming in the door holding 4 dollars in your hands and you'd have to say oh we've raised the price to 450 really sorry and you kind of feel bad and you kind of wonder whether they're going to come back but then what do you want? What do, what can we do? Like somewhere it's got to give. And there's got to be maybe a benchmark in Melbourne where, you know, we're renowned for being the coffee capital of, of you know, of Australia. Maybe a benchmark, like this is the price. An eight ounce coffee should cost this much. And then people know that that's what they're going to be expecting to pay.
1: It's just so tricky, isn't it? Because people don't want to go go it alone and yet be you know, there is like thousands of tiny little businesses. Everyone can't act act as one, but it almost feels like that's what should happen.
0: Yeah, well, see, that would be price gouging, and you can't do that. Um, but then, I guess if people start seeing that they're paying more, you know, I mean, I, I get told all the time, "Oh, that's not expensive. I've paid this at the other." Like somebody mentioned to me the other day, "Oh." I went to this cake shop in the city and they're charging $9.50 per slice and you're only charging $7.50 per slice. I guess there's room to move but, you know, we don't want to feel that we're taking advantage of a situation. You know, it's not about us going, oh, we're going to raise our prices because everyone else is and we'll make more money. We just have to absorb the costs somehow, you know, to continue to provide a beautiful product which we're renowned for.
1: And you mentioned, you know, deleting lines if they're perhaps not as profitable as some others. I mean, how do you work with the range and is there ever, are there ever like old favourites that you think you might bring back?
0: Mm, mm. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I've talked about this with my chef and, you know, we're very excited that, you know, I said to him kind of as a reward, once he's learnt all of our, you know, everyday products that I'd like to take a recipe out of one of the old books and do a retro week where we bring out a product that we haven't done for 30 years or 20 years or whatever and just say, ah, this week we're doing this cake which is something which people have asked for or old customers have asked for and do that product as a special, you know, once off and to work our way through, you know, 87 years of recipes which are hidden away, you know, in stacks of books that I'd love to be able to do again. That sounds so fun. What's you know? Have
1: you got one in mind?
0: Yeah, I have definitely got one in mind. Um, one of the ones which somebody had asked me for recently and I stood there and I thought, my goodness, it's probably 15 years since we made this um, and it's called Paradise. So the Paradise was four layers. It has shortbread on the bottom, then poppy seeds, sweetened poppy seeds, then the Polish cheesecake and then a layer of chocolate on top and it's such a beautiful combination and I'd love to be able to do that again and I think, you know, a cake called Paradise can't be too bad.
1: (laughs) I absolutely love the sound of that and I also think it's so clever because I would like all of those cakes individually but if you – put them in one, then it's very convenient and I don't need to walk home and and, um, stuff my face with four slices of cake. Not that that sounds like a bad thing either. (laughs) But, yeah, who doesn't want to go to paradise?
0: No, that's exactly right. Well, paradise was a great cake in the 70s and the 80s and it was very, very popular and I'm not even quite sure why we stopped making it, to be honest. But every now and then somebody walks in and says, do you sell paradise? And my staff will stand there and just go, what on earth is she talking about paradise? Um, but, yeah, we would love to do that and a few other of our old recipes. And I guess, you know, part of the wonderful thing about having a business that's so old is that you have decades of different cakes that you can just make you know that you've never made before, and not in in the last thirty years, which is really special as well.
1: Yeah, it's so good, um, Nikki. What do you love about what you do?
0: What I love, well, I love um, I definitely love making cakes. I mean, I do a bit of decorating, and I love the interaction between you know myself, my staff, my customers. Um, I love working with my family many most days. Um, I love it when somebody walks in who's never been before and they ask for a recommendation and, you know, you suggest say, Oh, you have to try the the baby Kugelhoff, which is a a small version of the large kugelhoff that we do. And you know, they, they, they look at it and they think, well, this is an odd looking thing. It kind of looks like an upside down upside down bell. And I said, you just gotta try it. It's absolutely delicious. And they'll try it and you can see them eating it, and you're watching them and you're thinking, okay, what's she going to say or what's he going to say? And then they go, oh, my God, that was the best thing I've ever had in my life. And you just feel that sense of pride and excitement, even though you've heard it a thousand times. It's still wonderful each time somebody does that. You know, it's like it's affirmation that you all your hard work Is valued and appreciated, and you bring happiness to people. And sometimes the only thing, the only happy exchange they have in the whole day. That's so beautiful.
1: Um, Yeah, I just love everything about it. I mean, yeah, you definitely you you must have a really strong sense of purpose when you have feedback like that. It's really beautiful.
0: Mm. Well, when you work hard, and you sometimes you know you're working seven days a week. Um, it's not just about making money because I can assure you, you could make a whole lot more money if you just had a regular job, a nine to five job. But is the satisfaction the same? Is it is it rewarding knowing that you know you're not just making a small amount of money, but you're also bringing so much happiness. And you know, I I, I love that during the you know most of the lockdowns, we had a lot of customers that ordered cakes to send to their friends you know like I'm in Melbourne my friends in Sydney it's her birthday we were supposed to catch up but now we can't I'm going to send her a cake Um, some of our wonderful um, corporate customers sent a cake to each of their staff in each lockdown so you know these are really important things and, and fun things that people do and have kept us going as well.
1: Yeah, really, really reinforce all those connections. Absolutely love it. Um, Nikki, it's been such a pleasure to chat to you. I will definitely be down there for a Kugloff soon and I'm absolutely joining you in paradise when that's on the menu.
0: I would love to see you and thank you for, you know, inviting me on the show. And I guess, you know, we're hoping that we can continue for – goodness we will come up to our 100th birthday soon and I'm not quite sure what we're going to do to celebrate but um, I just think that it's going to be a incredible you know we are now officially the oldest cake shop in Melbourne so we um, we're very proud and thanks to all our very very special customers who've supported us and to our wonderful staff that join us on this journey.
1: Awesome thank you so much for chatting Nikki really appreciate it. Thanks Danny. that's lovely I hope to see you soon.
0: ¡Gracias!